Blog Talk Radio. For the next two hours, we will be talking sports and having fun doing it. And I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And, of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, a number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan. And you can send messages to the show on our chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash pgan, or you can send messages to us on Twitter, at GoForItGan. Great show lined up for you today. Expect to be joined by former NBA star Antoine Walker, the great Antoine Walker. We're going to talk to him, talk some NBA with Antoine, talk about what Antoine is doing now. Antoine has had some money issues. We'll see what's up with Antoine at this point. And we're going to get his take on what's going on with the Lakers, get his take on the Kevin Garnett, Carmelo Anthony situation. I mean, those guys were trash talking to each other. And uh, Antoine Walker knows a little bit about trash talking, so we're going to talk to Antoine about that. Also, we're going to be joined by Carolina Panthers linebacker Thomas Davis. And Thomas Davis, an incredible story. We talk about Adrian Peterson coming back from his ACL injury. We talk about Peyton Manning coming back from his neck injury. But Thomas Davis came back from three ACL surgeries on the same knee. Three ACL surgeries on the same knee, and he got through this season. Didn't play every game in the season, but he played most of them. He got through the season. He's healthy. Now we're going to talk to him about his comeback, and we're also going to talk get his take on RG3, what he thinks about that whole situation. And we all know RG3 got his uh, LCL and his ACL repaired this week. They said he'll be back by the start of the season. They said surgery was a success, but don't they always say surgery is a success right after it's done? They do. We're also going to re-air an interview that we did Thursday with Larry Grant of the 49ers. And um, Larry and his 49ers are preparing for their game today against the uh, the Green Bay Packers. And so we're going to air, re-air that interview from Thursday and, and hear what Larry has to say about his preparation, about – what he expects may happen today against the Green Bay Packers, and that's going to be a big-time football game. That's going to be big-time. I mean, we have to see now, in terms of that game, the 49ers, the Packers. The Packers are playing pretty good football. The 49ers are playing pretty good football. Both of these teams are playing pretty good football. Aaron Rodgers getting it done for the Green Bay Packers. Getting it done. Packer defense seemingly playing better. Now, I will say this. I will say this. You know, last week, last week, the Packers team, they played the Minnesota Vikings. And in playing the Minnesota Vikings, they played a team that had Joe Webb as their quarterback. Yes, they did a good job in stopping the run. Clay Matthews, Charles Woodson, they're back playing well. Played well in that game. But, again, it was Joe Webb as their quarterback. 
Joe Webb was the quarterback. Joe Webb. He was the quarterback. He was the quarterback in that particular game. It was Joe Webb. Well, I like to think Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick, I like to think he's a little better than Joe Webb. I like to think he is a little better than Joe Webb. I would like to think he's a little better than Joe Webb. But you never know. You never know. Maybe he'll stink it up first time in the playoffs. I mean, this is his first time in the playoffs. This is a whole different stage than the regular season. This is a whole different animal than the regular season. There's the preseason, there's the regular season, and then there's the playoffs. So this is a whole different animal for Colin Kaepernick. Is he ready for this stage? And the pressure, you know, there is a level of pressure on him because of what Alex Smith did last season, a level of pressure on Jim Harbaugh because of what Alex Smith did last season. We've seen what Alex Smith did last year, 17 touchdowns, five interceptions, but we've seen what he did in the playoffs. He didn't have a bad playoff run. Alex Smith actually had a decent playoff run. I mean, his performance against the New Orleans Saints last year in the playoffs was pretty good. Pretty good. He was the big reason why, one of the big reasons why they won that game a year ago. So his performance in the playoffs against the Saints was pretty good. His performance against the Giants last year in the playoffs was pretty good. I mean, the thing about that particular game, Kyle Williams puts the ball on the ground two times, and in doing so, he cost his team the game. He caused his team the game. He cost him the game. Definitely cost him the game. Definitely cost him the game. He cost him the game. Put the ball on the turf. Put the ball on the turf two times. In important spots in that game, he put the ball on the turf. And in doing so, he set the Giants up. But Alex Smith in that first game against the New Orleans Saints, 24 for 42, 299 big yards, and three big touchdowns. Three big touchdowns. He was balling in that particular game. He balled in that game. He was balling in that game. And then, at the end of that game, you know, he hit Vernon Davis for the big touchdown to win that particular game. So he balled. He balled in that game. He was getting it done in that game. He played big-time football in that particular game. He really did, Alex Smith. He played big-time football. Now, we can, we can, you know, question, you know, obviously the 49ers offense in my mind and, and just watching them with Kaepernick seem much more explosive. They do seem much more explosive. I, I can't deny that. They, they seem like they're a better offense with Colin Kaepernick running the show. But the one thing about Alex Smith and the one thing you could say about Alex Smith over the past two seasons is he doesn't make mistakes. He has not made mistakes over the past two seasons. He really hasn't. He hasn't made any mistakes. And, you know, the 49ers, they run the ball very well. They play good defense. We know what their defense is about. We know what their run game is about. And they didn't hurt themselves at all last season. They did not hurt themselves at all last season. They didn't. 
They didn't hurt themselves at all last season. And because of that, because of that, that was one of the big reasons they were where they were. That was one of the reasons, big reasons they were 13-3. and three. That was one of the big reasons they got as far as they did because of the play of Alex Smith, because of the things that Alex Smith did for this ball club. Alex Smith protected the football. Alex Smith protects the football. That's one thing you can say about Alex Smith. He protects the football. And he did it all last season. And he put his team, you know, I, I had a lot of questions about Alex Smith last season, had a lot of questions about Alex Smith, still had a lot of questions about Alex Smith this season. And even now, you know, because obviously he's not going to be in San Francisco next year, I still have questions of whether or not Alex Smith uh, is uh, a formidable NFL quarterback. I mean, he's proven to be a game manager. But he's not a game changer, and I think you're going to have to put him in position to be successful. You're going to have to put him in positions to be successful. But he did everything and then some for the 49ers last year. All they asked from him, he did everything and then some. I mean, he won the game for them against the New Orleans Saints in the divisional round. He won the game for that ball club. He won the game for that team. A touchdown with nine seconds to go to Vernon Davis. And that was a shootout. That was a shootout. That was the type of game where he was going to have to put up numbers because Drew Brees and that Saints offense puts up numbers. That's what they do. That's what they've done over the years. And the thing about it, Alex Smith needed to have a big-time performance in that particular game, and he did. He did. He did. And then you look at it against the Giants. He had them in position to win. And the thing about it is Kyle Williams, as I said before, put the ball on the turf two big times at two big moments in that particular game. You can't do that if you're Kyle Williams, obviously. And it's hard to win in the playoffs when you have turnovers. It's hard to win in the playoffs when you have turnovers. And Alex Smith didn't turn the football over, but Kyle Williams did at a, an important time, a pivotal time in that, in that ball game. And that was the difference in that game. That was the difference in that game against the New York Giants. That was the difference. Putting the ball on a turf, Kyle Williams two times putting the ball on the turf was big. It was big. It was big. And I don't think we can we can get around that. That was big. That was the game. It was the game. And you hate to blame a whole football game on one player in one instance. But I'm putting it on two instances where he I mean it was it was a bad situation. It was a bad situation. You can't win like that. You can win like that when you have turnovers. It's hard to win in the NFL. It's hard to win in the NFL, period. But it's even harder to win in the NFL when you turn the football over. When you turn the football over, it becomes even more difficult 
to win in the National Football League. That's just the nature of the situation. That's just the nature of football. It becomes very difficult to win in the National Football League when you turn the football over. Very difficult. And the reality is the 49ers turned the football over too, too many times in that particular game, and it cost them the game. It cost them the game, and that's it. That's the bottom line. But it's another year now, and the 49ers, they're going to – I mean, just like last year. I mean, the Saints, that was a tough game. This is going to be just as tough as a game. This is going to be a tough game, if not a tougher game against the Green Bay Packers because the Green Bay Packers have a better defense than the Saints have. The Green Bay Packers have Aaron Rodgers, and the Saints had Drew Brees, and that's a wash. It's pretty much a wash. But, I mean, the Green Bay Packers' defense is better than the Saints' defense from a year ago. And Colin Kaepernick, I mean, we, we, we've seen poise out of this guy. We saw it in the Patriot game. We, we've seen playmaking ability from this guy. We saw it in the Patriot game. We saw it in the Bears game. We saw it in just about every game he's played. We saw his ability. We've seen his ability. We know what he brings to the table. We know what Colin Kaepernick brings to the table. We've seen it. We've seen his ability. But we haven't seen his ability on this big stage. This is a big stage now. Does he have stage fright? And makes a, does he make a few mistakes in this particular game? Possible. I mean, very possible. Very possible. Very possible. Because, again, this, he's essentially a rookie. In terms of, I mean, last year, I mean, this is his second year in the league, but he's essentially a rookie. This is a rookie in Colin Kaepernick right now in terms of experience, in terms of games played. This is a rookie. This is a rookie. And the thing about it is, the thing about it is, rookie mistake, rookie players, rookie young players, young quarterbacks do young type things. They do young type things, and young type things are turning the football over. That's a young type thing, young quarterback type thing, turning the football over, making mistakes. I mean, those those that's what comes with that comes with the territory. That comes with the territory of being a young quarterback. These are the things that come with the territory. Does Colin Kaepernick show his youth in this game? Does he show youth in this game? Does he? Very possible he does. It's very possible he does, but it's also a good possibility that he doesn't. It's also a good possibility that he doesn't. All I know is this is going to be a big-time football game. This is going to be a big-time game. This is going to be an exciting game. Could be the game of the weekend. Could be the game of the weekend. And then earlier today, 4.30 Eastern time, you have Denver Broncos and the Baltimore Ravens. The Ray Lewis show, his final hurrah, his last hurrah with the Baltimore Ravens. Can he, Ray Lewis, and the Ravens team, can they keep this alive? 
Can they keep it alive for Ray Ray? Can they keep it alive for Ray Lewis? Can they keep this thing alive for Ray Lewis? And that's the big thing. I mean, are, are they spent emotionally? I mean, that was an emotional game. It was an emotional day in Baltimore last week against the Indianapolis Colts. Ray Lewis doing his dance, having a good old time. And it was just an emotional day. An emotional day. Are they done? Did they shoot their load? Are they done? Are they done emotionally? And it's going to be a big game. It's going to be a tough game. Last time these two teams played, the Denver Broncos won 34-17. to I was in Baltimore. And Chris Harris in that particular game, a guy we had on the show, he had a big game. He had a big game and a big moment and a big play, which pretty much sealed the deal in that particular game. It sealed the deal in that particular game. That play by Chris Harris pretty much was the clincher. And the Ravens were down 10 nothing. They were threatening. Joe Flacco throws it out, picked off Chris Harris. Chris Harris runs it down the field. Ultimately, Chris Harris would score. Ultimately, the Baltimore Ravens, instead of being down 10-7 or even 10-3, were down 17 and nothing, and that pretty much was your ball game. That was your ball game. Because before that, I mean, yes, the Broncos were in control. Yes, the Broncos were up 10 to nothing. But the Baltimore Ravens had an opportunity there <clears throat> to cut the game to, uh, to one score with the field goal or at least to three points with a touchdown. They were out right down there. And then Joe Flacco, Chris Harris makes a big play, and that pretty much sealed the deal in that particular ball game. And in that game, also, the Denver Broncos had success running the ball. Granted, Ray Lewis wasn't there. Ray Lewis was not there. And so that's big. Ray Lewis wasn't there. He wasn't there in that particular game. So Ray Lewis is back. Does that change anything? Does that change anything, Ray Lewis being back? How much does that change things? Denver had success running the ball. Denver had some success running the ball against the Baltimore Ravens. No Sean Moreno, excuse me, can't even say his name. No Sean Moreno, 115 yards. And the Denver Broncos total ran for 163 yards in that particular contest. So they ran the ball well in that game. And if they can do that again, I think it's going to be a tough football game for the Ravens to win. They can't let Moreno get off. They cannot let no Sean Moreno get off in this game. If he does get off in this game, which is always a possibility, if he does get off in this game, you have to favor the Broncos. No doubt about that one. You have to favor the Denver Broncos. You got it. You got to in that game. If no Sean Moreno was running the ball the way he did in that first game, you got to favor the Denver Broncos. But to the Ravens' credit in that particular game, you know, the Denver Broncos, they had in that game seven drives of three and outs. So they had seven drives that were three plays or less. Seven drives, three plays, seven, three and outs. 
seven three and outs for the Denver Broncos in that game. That's got to bode pretty well for the Ravens. That's got to give you some confidence. That's got to give you some confidence if you're a Ravens that you, you did a fairly decent job in limiting Peyton Manning. Granted, you were up early in that game, so how much was Peyton Manning really throwing the football in that particular game? Threw it only 28 times. But the thing about it is you were up early. You were up early, meaning the Denver Broncos. And at that point, you're probably focusing on your run game. You're focusing on the run game, focusing on no Sean Moreno and those boys getting a lot of carries. I mean, you carried the ball. You had 45 carries in that particular game. You ran the ball 45 times, and that's a byproduct also of you getting out early. That's a byproduct of you getting out early, being up 17 to nothing, and ultimately in complete control of that game early. You were in complete control early in that football game. Complete control. In complete control. Now, the Ravens, you know, Joe Flacco, played well, played decent um, in that particular game last week against the Colts. He played well against the Colts. He really did. He played well against the Colts last week, Joe Flacco. But this is a different animal. This is a much different animal. This is the Denver Broncos, the big and bad Denver Broncos. This is a Denver Broncos team that is a hot team, very hot. 11-game winning streak, Denver Broncos, a team that's been playing some big-time football throughout the course of this season. Those Broncos, those Broncos, that team, they've been getting it done. They've been getting it done throughout the course of this season. They've been getting it done big time. And you look at that team, they're going to be tough to beat. They're going to be tough, tough to beat. They're hot. And the hot team over the past couple of years is the team that's won the Super Bowl. They are scorching hot. Hot, 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 that Broncos team. But the thing about it is, Joe Flacco played well last week, but this is a different animal. Threw for 282 yards, two touchdowns. That's a good performance. That's a good performance. And they took it over in the second half. Two big plays, uh, some big plays to Anquan Bolden in the second half. And they took it over. Took over that game in the second half. Took it over. Took it over. And the thing about it, the emotion of Ray Lewis, that didn't hurt the Ravens. That obviously helped the Ravens big time. Ray Lewis being emotional. Ray Lewis's final game in Baltimore, you knew with that that you were going to have, you knew, you knew with that that there was going to be an excitement in the air. You knew with that that the Ravens were going to be ultra-motivated and play big-time football against a team that they're better than. I mean, the Colts maxed out this year. They maxed out. They took it as far as they could. You knew, you knew, you knew that the Baltimore Ravens were going to come out on fire. But the thing is now, Joe Flacco, he's talked about, you know, being an elite quarterback. He's talked about being an elite guy. So if you're elite, if you're an elite quarterback, 
Here's what elite quarterbacks do. Eli Manning last year. Let, let's go to Eli, Eli Manning. Last year, what did Eli say in the offseason? Eli Manning said, you know what? I'm a top five quarterback. I'm an elite quarterback. I'm one of those dudes. I'm one of those guys. That's who I am. I'm about that life. That's who I am. That's what Eli Manning said. Okay. Eli, you said that? You're coming off a season with 25 picks. You're coming off a season where you didn't look good at all. But you know what? You say in the off off season, you tell us that you're an elite quarterback. Okay. Okay. You're telling us that. I, at the time, I laughed. I chuckled. But okay. I, I, I'll look into, the, look into it. You said you're elite. Elite quarterbacks do elite things. And guess what you did, Eli Manning? Guess what an elite quarterback like Eli Manning did? Okay, he decides, you know what? I'm elite. So let's go into Green Bay. Now, let's go into the number one seed at Green Bay Packers' house and let's beat them. Let's outplay Aaron Rodgers and beat the Green Bay Packers. Okay, that, that's, a, that's, that's what elite quarterbacks do. Okay, Eli, you're elite. You said you're elite. Okay, you go into San Francisco. You go into San Francisco, the number one seed at San Francisco 49ers, big-time defense San Francisco 49ers. You go in there. And guess what you do? Guess what you do, Eli? You win. You win. You win. Okay. That's big time, Eli. Okay. I'm starting to become a believer. You were doing your thing in the fourth quarter throughout the course of all, throughout the course of the 2011 season. You were big time in the fourth quarter. Okay. I'm I'm, I'm hearing you, Eli. I'm starting to think, you know what, maybe you are elite. But, oh. Oh, but Eli's not done. It's time to put the cherry on top of that Sunday. Eli, Super Bowl against the great Tom Brady. Tom, terrific. Against the great Tom Brady. Guess what he does? Big time drive in the fourth quarter. Beautiful pass to Mario Manningham. They would go on and score a touchdown and ultimately win that Super Bowl. You know why? Because of Eli Manning. He is, he says he was elite. And he proved to the world that he was an elite quarterback. He proved to the world that he was an elite quarterback. I can't argue with you now, Eli. Granted, you you took a little step back this year. But as a whole, I can't argue with you, man. You're elite. You're that dude. You're one of those guys. You're cut from that cloth. You're elite. Joe Flacco. If you say you're elite, you say you're elite, and and elite quarterbacks do special things, do big time, big time things. They carry their team and put their team over the top. That's what elite elite quarterbacks do. That's what elite quarterbacks do. That's what you do. You go into Mile House, Mile High Stadium. Let's go field. You go there, and you beat Peyton Manning. That's what an elite quarterback does. You go into the Broncos building, and you beat Peyton Manning, one of the best who've ever done it. That's what elite quarterbacks do. If you're that guy, if you're that dude, if you're cut from that cloth, that's what you're going to have to do. That's what you're going to have to do. If you claim to be about that, if that's your claim, 
if you're telling me that you're an elite quarterback, my friend, you got to go prove it. You got to go prove it. And one of the ways you prove it is by going into Denver and beating the Denver Broncos. Your contract expires at the end of the season. So obviously you want to get paid as well. You want to get paid. So you have a lot of motivation here, Joe Flacco. I mean, we're talking about your money. You know, we're talking about your money. We're talking about your wallet. We're talking about your opportunity to take care of Flacco's for generations to come. That's your opportunity. And you know what? And you're probably still going to get paid, whether it's with the Ravens or someone else. Someone's going to pay you. But the thing about it is, Joe, you told me, you told the world that you're an elite quarterback. You're elite. You're an elite quarterback. That's what you are. That's what you told me. That's what you told me. Do I believe it? Um, I can't say you're an elite quarterback at this point. I can't say you're an elite quarterback. I can't put you with those guys, the Rodgers and the Breezes, the Peyton Mannings, even the Eli Mannings of the world. I can't put you in that class just yet. I can't put you in that class. I can't do it. You're not worthy of that. You're not worthy of that. You're not. You're not. But again, again, in order for you to prove that you, and you have weapons. I mean, you have some legitimate weapons. Tory Smith, big time home run threat, down the field threat, and Quan Bolden, big time. Ray Rice. I mean, so you have some weapons. You have weapons. You have weapons, Joe. You really do have some weapons. But the thing about it is this. This is the thing. You can have all the weapons in the world, Joe, but it's up to you, the trigger man, the quarterback, to get it done and to make it happen for your ball club. It's up to you now to make it happen for your ball club. Can and will Joe Flacco do it? Can he do it? It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And I think regardless of what happens, obviously Joe Flacco is going to get paid. Whether he's got to take the franchise tag number of $14.8 million and stick with the Ravens, or whether or not the Ravens negotiate a new deal for him, or whether or not another team pays him, he's going to get paid. He's going to get paid. I think that's really what it comes down to. He's getting paid. But the thing about this whole thing, the thing about this whole thing with Joe Flacco and the Baltimore Ravens, Joe Flacco, if he wants to say he's elite, he has to go into this building. Elite quarterbacks go into to other teams' buildings in big spots and wins. That's what elite quarterbacks do. Now, 
you are that guy, Joe Flacco. You said you're that guy. That's what you told me. You told everybody. You said you're that guy. So with that being said, I got to believe you. I got to believe you on some level. As you said you're a lead, I, I got to believe it on some level. But the thing about life is seeing is believing. And we haven't seen it to this point that you're an elite quarterback. We've seen that you're a very good quarterback. We've seen that you're you're probably an upper echelon quarterback. We've seen that. But but it's time to make and take that next step. It's time to take the next step. And the next step is finally breaking through and getting to a Super Bowl and also going into Denver and beating the Denver Broncos. That would be big. That would be big. If you can do that, if you can do that, that's big. Will you do it? That's that's the that's the burning question. Will you do it? And I don't it's gonna to be tough. It's it's gonna to be very tough for Joe Flacco and the Baltimore Ravens to win in Denver. For all the things I've outlined, it's Peyton Manning, the way he's played. Their defense, the way they played. Playing in Denver, that's big as well. It's gonna be difficult to beat the Broncos. Will they beat the Broncos? I'll give you my pick later in the show. Let's go now to Sunday's games. Let's go to Sunday's games. And, again, some more intriguing. The more intriguing matchups in my mind are in the NFC. The more intriguing matchups are in the NFC. Those matchups are very, very intriguing. All the matchups that we, we've outlined in the NFC are intriguing. Very intriguing. And you look forward to those matchups in the NFC. And the matchup I was looking forward to and I talked about was the Packers and 49ers. We talked about that. I was going to go to the AFC, but we, we've talked about the Packers and 49ers. And I want to bring in this interview that we did with Larry Grant on Thursday of the 49ers. In this interview, you'll, you'll, you'll hear a confident man and you'll hear a team that seems to be very confident. Let's let's air that interview now from Thursday. Larry Grant of the San Francisco 49ers. Let's bring him in now. 49ers linebacker, Larry Grant. Larry, how are you, man? I'm doing all right. How y'all doing? Doing well. Thanks for joining us. Oh, yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. And, Larry, let's get right down to it. You guys, you're about to start your playoff run against the Green Bay Packers. You ended the season winning three of the final four games. You've been playing some fairly decent football. How do you feel about your team going into the playoffs? Um, man, we feel we feel pretty good, man. We're actually all rested up. We got that. Uh, we um, got a chance to get that bye week. We're all rested up, man. It just it just felt like you know our teeth's been, you know, we've been biting down on our teeth real bad. Just ready for this game. We're just ready to get get into uh into Candlestick Stadium and and play against those Packers. It seems like you're ready to hit somebody right now, man. Yeah, that's what we do. <laughs> and, and you guys, last year you made it all the way to all the way to the NFC title game. 
you are a couple plays away from actually getting to the Super Bowl. How much does last year's situation help you out this year in terms of getting that playoff experience last year? And now how much will that help you this year? Uh, you know, we just understand that every possession is, a, is is very, you know, important. You know, there, there's no mistake that, you know, um, any team that we play against at this point in the season, it's going to be a tough game. And we understand that we're going in, but the preparation during the week, it has to be on tip top. We got to be focused and be ready to play come that Sunday or Saturday evening. And uh, you know, with the with the, with the way the things went last year, everybody's seen it. You know, God God given a, a couple of things were different. Differently, we would have hosted that uh, trophy probably. But um, you know, last year's last year. It's a new year for the San Francisco 49ers organization, the fans, and everybody here that support us. And uh, we're ready to start it off with a, on a good note this weekend. And look, you look at last year. Last year, you guys came together real quick with, yeah, obviously you had the new coach in Harbaugh and you had the lockout shortened season, but you came out, you were 13-3, and you were big time last year. But this year, do you think you guys are better than you were a year ago, talent-wise? Definitely. You know, just given uh, the, the whole year to be able to jail together, you know, last year, and then actually uh, even the off season with a, with a whole bunch more um, players added in to our, to our scheme that's actually picked up and picked up on all the teams that we we have in, in, on this team and also more than everything, you know, they just we brought them in and we accepted we accepted them as family and they it's just like they they've been here for the long run with everybody here and um you know it's just it's just a good team man. We're we're just ready, excited man. We we finally getting this opportunity to play man. We've been waiting for a whole week and a half now, so it's time to get it. We're talking to forty nine ers linebacker Larry Grant and Larry one difference with this team this year is the quarterback. I mean, Alex Smith started most of the season. He got injured. Colin Kaepernick came in. He took off. He's leading this team. This offense seems a little more explosive with Kaepernick. But all in all, talk about the play of Colin Kaepernick. Uh, you know, think about Kaepernick. He brings a completely different dimension to the game. You know, now nowadays, you know, you're, you're getting that more athletic quarterback. You know, um, nothing, nothing against Alex. You know, Alex is athletic as well, but... You know, it's a lot of preparation for other teams they got to do when they're playing against Cap. And Cap has, you know, he's basically come off the bench and lifted our team and our spirits to a completely different level. You know, we respect the things that we do, man. We ride with either with either guy underneath underneath that center, and we ride with them both. But you know, um, this weekend, if Cap's going to start us off, man. He's going he's going to show the world what he's all about. Are there any concerns in terms of? This is the first in the time that Kaepernick is going to be on the playoff stage. Any concerns there? No, none at all. You know, Cap's played on big stages all, all season long, man. And this is just another game for him to go go out there and impress people on the other side of the ball. You know, and show them what he can do. You know, we we know that Cap's ready for big time. You know, if the Fortnite organization didn't believe in Cap, they wouldn't have drafted him last year in the second round. And you know, mm-hmm. we, we're us as players, man. We're excited. Cap be able to excuse me, Cap to be able to come out and play and do what he know he can do. You know, we we've been on it, but uh, you know it's just it's good for us, it's good for, for Cap. You know, we're excited for him. Now, Larry, you played the Packers first game of the season. That was a game where you guys led from start to finish. Anything that you take away from that game going into this game? Uh. You know, you always got to look look back at the game. If, if you played the team before, you always got to look back and see what they did, how they played against us then. But the thing about the Green Bay Packers, man, from from week one of the season to week 16, 17 of the season, it's a completely different team. 
Right. They, they, they've been together for a whole year now, and they understand exactly how to play. And, and they've seen us play many of times this year. And I know they're going to come out firing, done firing. You know, Aaron Rodgers happened to be home. Great. Uh, a lot of other guys have, have that also San Francisco, Bay Area natives that happen to be, are going to be happy to be home. And this is going to be ready to guns hot and ready to go at us. And what do you guys feel like you need to do to, to shut down Aaron Rodgers? What do you guys think you need to take away from Aaron Rodgers to be effective in this game? Um, you know, we just got to take away. You know, the, the good thing about the good thing that Aaron Rodgers does, man, he, he runs that off, and, and he gets the ball out quick, man. He's as in recent times he hasn't taken many stacks because because he gets the ball out quick. So you know, uh, the one thing we got to do, our, our back seven got to come play. And yeah. another addition to that team is their running back who's been running the ball really hard yeah. as of lately. And uh, you know, we take we take uh we definitely take a second look at everything. And you know what, we we're putting together big. And uh, our defensive staff is definitely putting together a uh, putting together a game plan to to do whatever we can to to stop or lessen that big plays. Definitely. And first game of the season, the running back you were talking about was Dewan Harris. But the first game of the season, Cedric Benson was the starter. You guys did a pretty good job against their run game. You obviously believe you guys have to duplicate that. You got to stop their run game. Yeah, definitely. You know, first things first, when we're coming out on defense, and if you want to win the game, you got to stop the run. Definitely. And, uh, you know, that's that's one thing that we've cherished on for the last couple of years, man. We're talking to 49ers linebacker Larry Grant. And, Larry, your defense is big time. You stop the run, but you also do a good job against the pass, and one of the reasons why is Alden Smith, 19 and a half sacks this year. Talk about the play of Alden Smith. Man, the guy has, has came great leaps and bounds and strides from last year. Of course, he everybody knows he was a sack machine last year as well, but the difference in this game this year is that he's an all-around player. He's in there yeah. to stop the run. He's in there to get 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 back in coverage. You know, the man has, has, has became a completely different and better player than he was last year, man. The guy's a phenom. And uh, sooner or later, I said it first. <laughs> Maybe not, but I, I'm saying it now that he, he's going to break that sack record sooner than later. And, so he will uh, get straight hands record. Definitely. And uh, the one thing that complimented him is the other guys on on, on, side, on the side of him, Justice McRae and, and definitely all, and definitely Ahmad Brooks on the other side. You know, uh, without those guys, you know, all of them be getting chipped and double teamed all day long. But That's because true. of the things that they do as well, it helps all of them be able to have the success that he has. How's Justin Smith looked in practice? I mean, he looked good. He looked like the same Justin Smith we've seen week one. You know, of course, he's wearing a little brace on his arm, but with the guy with that mindset, <laughs> it's kind of hard to, to slow him down. <laughs> he, he's a beast. You see his arms. His arms are ridiculous. He is a beast. Yeah. He is a beast. And Larry, let, let's talk about you now. Last season, you got you got you started a few games. Patrick Willis went down. You started a few games. You played well in those games. Not as many opportunities as you had last year, but all in all. How do you feel about your play at this point of the season? Um, I definitely feel like I, I play. I played as well as I can with my stage. You know, I definitely. Uh, you know, as a player, you're always your, your, you're always your worst critic. I definitely look back and say there's many more plays I could have made, could have made this way, could have made that play. But at the end of the day, I'm doing what I can to to, to make this team, to help this team be ex, as ex, successful as I can. Definitely. I'm helping in my meeting rooms. I've been helping with Patton Low, of course. And the rest of the young bucks in our, in our meeting rooms, man, and uh, 
you know, uh, my play has been, uh, you know, has been well. Of course, I wish I could play better as well, but my play is doing well. I haven't got as many opportunities, the opportunity like I did last year, but, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty patient person, man, and if the opportunity presents itself now, I'll definitely be ready. I'll always stay ready. Definitely. And, Larry, you stay ready anytime you're called on on the field and you're ready to do things off of the field. You're doing big things off of the field, a better hand foundation. Tell us a little bit about this great foundation. Um, and it's, a, it's definitely a great up-and-coming foundation that me and uh, my brother, LaShawn Woods, have spent, spent a lot of time putting together. You know, it's a, it's a foundation that we do to help, of, of course, the young and all, all youth when it comes to teens and, and uh, elementary kids as well uh, that, that are less fortunate. And also kids coming out of the juvenile centers that need a little bit of help um, with, with the lead of their life. And uh, instead of going for probation officers, you know, we can be, that that help that they need as well, and, you know anything that we we're we're basically um, pushing into any area that we can when it comes to less fortunate kids or kids that needs help in any direction. You know, uh, it's a big thing for us. You know, it, it's kind of it's kind of part of the childhood that I was raised in. You know, uh, and any kid that we see living like I used to live, and my brother used to live. You know, we're we're we're, we're way able to put anything we can down just to help them um, move on better with their lives. And that's big time. And recently you guys had a little cook-off for your foundation. I yeah. didn't know you had skills in the kitchen, man. Tell us about yeah, you know what? cook-off. I, I, I do. I does do my thing in the kitchen. But on that day I was eating. I, I was okay. tasting everybody else's food. Okay. You know, uh, Richard really good, you know, Dan Costa and, and uh, Michael Manning and all them. All those great guys were there, man. It was, it was just it was a blast. It was our first annual cookout, and uh, the chili was amazing. The people were amazing. Everything was amazing that day. I mean, a better hand foundation got better that day. Definitely, and a lot of people got better that day because of some of the great work you're doing in the community. Where can fans find information about this great foundation? Um, we have a website. It's called abetterhandfoundation.org. Uh, it has a lot of information on there as well, and also I have a Twitter as well that you guys can follow. It's uh, at Larry Grant fifty four. Okay. And, uh, any any information you need on the foundation is always it's up there. I definitely talk about my foundation a lot, as well as football as well. And uh, if you want to learn a little bit more, you can always go check it out. It's called abetterhandfoundation.org. Larry, I can tell by your voice, man, that you're ready to go, man. You you want to hit somebody right now? I definitely do. You I definitely, definitely want to hit somebody right now. It's not only me, man. It's the whole locker room over there in San Francisco. You're looking at it now. You guys had to buy. Green Bay's already played last week, so that they're a team that's played and, and, and ready to go. Does having that buy, are, are you afraid that there's a possibility of you guys being flat? We saw last year with the Packers where they were flat coming out against the Giants. Uh, how do you guard against being flat? Uh, that's, what, that's, that's the one thing we're not worried about. Okay. We're not worried about being flat at all, man. The good thing about this team that as soon as the lights come on, we turn on. So okay. there's no flatness. Yeah, nobody will see no flatness out of this team, man. We're, we're, it's like it's like a pack of dogs. You're holding them back, and the meat is just looking right in their, right there in their face. As soon as you right. let them go, we're going to go fight. <laughs> and it, the funny thing is I, I've had Terrell Brown on the show. I had Chris Culliver on the show, and now I'm talking to you. The one thing I, I noticed about – this 49ers team is the confidence. 
you guys yeah. sound very confident in your abilities. You guys sound very confident in your team. And just talking to you guys, I, I'm, I'm getting a sense, man, and I'm, I'm I, I may have to change my pick along the way, but I, I'm, in talking to you guys, I'm getting the sense that you guys really believe that you are going to get to the Super Bowl and that you are going to win this thing, win this whole thing, man. I, I feel it. I hear it in all you guys' voices. Definitely. I mean, first thing first, when we came into meeting rooms in April, the first thing that we all thought was from, from this day forward, our main focus was getting – to to getting to host that hoist that uh, Lombardi Trophy, yeah. you know. Of course, we take it one week at a time, one day at a time. You know that day, them days, and them weeks has brought us here to this point. And now it's just another stepping stone in the road that Green Bay has to be in the way. And <laughs> we're gonna do whatever we got to do to get to that place, to get to that place, to get to that Lombardi Trophy. Definitely. Let me give out your foundation, www.abetterhandfoundation.org. That's www.abetterhandfoundation.org. And also follow this man on Twitter, Larry Grant 54 Support some of the great things Larry Grant has going on in the community. Larry, pleasure talking to you, man. We wish you nothing but the best of luck on uh, against the Green Bay Packers. And let's do this again. Thank you. Let's get it. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year's, everybody. Happy holidays. Let's bring him in now. Larry Grant, linebacker, 40 49ers. That was an interview we did Thursday night, and we had Larry. I wanted to play it again because obviously the game is today, and also Larry Grant had a very good interview. He said some interesting things, and the confidence of this 49ers team and talking to all these guys, all the guys I've talked to, Culliver, Terrell Brown, and Larry Grant. These guys are confident in what they have and what they can do. They're a very confident team, a very confident bunch, and they do believe that they can and that they will get to the Super Bowl and ultimately win the Super Bowl. You you can hear it in his voice. This is a confident team. You can understand the confidence that defense is big time. You can understand the confidence. I think the offense is much more explosive with Colin Kaepernick. But I think the Packers are a much harder opponent than the uh, the Saints were in the divisional round. I really do. So I think it's going to be a tough, tough road for the 49ers. This is going to be a tough game. But that is why you play the game. That is why you play the game. And I want to go to the AFC now in a, in a game with the uh, the Patriots and the Houston Texans. This was a rematch, also another rematch game of earlier in the season, earlier in the season. The Patriots beat down the Houston Texans in Gillette, at Gillette, big-time beatdown by the Patriots and blew them out. I mean, they blew them out. Tom Brady was big-time, four big touchdowns in that game. The Patriots as a whole were big-time. Matt Schaub struggled in that game. The Texans as a whole struggled in that game. That was a struggling performance by the Houston Texans, and the Patriots showed them on that particular day that, guess what? We're still here. We're, we're still one of the best teams in the AFC. And they were big. They were big in that particular game. And because of that, I think a lot of people are, are, are really, really not giving the Texans a chance in this game. And it also doesn't hurt that Gronkowski and Hernandez will be back together. They will be back together. And this will be only the sixth time in 17 games 
that these two will be back on the field together. And we know what that tandem has done over the past few years. We know what they have done. We know. We know what they have done. They've combined for 169 receptions and 24 touchdowns in 2011. That's combined with these two guys. So that's a lot of touchdowns, that's a lot of receptions, and that's a lot of big plays from the tight end position for the New England Patriots. A lot of big plays. Gronkowski is back. They're back together. Gronkowski didn't play December 10th against the Houston Texans. He didn't play in that game. But Hernandez did, and Hernandez was big time in that game. Hernandez was big time in that game. Eight big receptions and two touchdowns against the Houston Texans. He was big in that game. So now you got your tight end tandem back together. You didn't have that the first time around. You got them back together. It's reunited, and it feels so good for the New England Patriots. And the Texans last week, I mean, their performance wasn't anything to write home about against the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, Matt Schaub wasn't really all that great against the Cincinnati Bengals. Wasn't that great at all. Had a pick six, threw a pick six in that game. He wasn't that great. He wasn't that great against the Cincinnati Bengals. He really wasn't. And luckily for him, his defense played well. And luckily for Matt Schaub, Andy Dalton didn't play as well. And that might have been a byproduct of the big-time defense in Houston. But he wasn't, Matt Schaub wasn't great. He wasn't great in that game. And who was great was Arian Foster. Aaron Foster was big time in that game. And Matt Schaub is a much better quarterback when he's play action, when he's doing the play action. He's a much better quarterback when he's in play action. And one of the reasons and one of the ways play action will be effective against the New England Patriots if Aaron, Foster, if Aaron Foster is running the football the way he did against the Cincinnati Bengals, 140 yards against the Bengals. If he has that same type of performance, the Texans have a shot. The Texans have an opportunity. Let's not let's not be so quick to sleep on the Texans. I know they haven't played too well down the stretch of, down the stretch of the season, but this is a team that was eleven and one at one point in the season. They were eleven and one at one point. So this is not a bad football team. This is a good football team. This is a good football team. Of course, you got J.J. Watt on the defensive side of the ball who can do a lot of things, can cause a lot of havoc, can cause a lot of problems for your defense. He's going to have to do that this time around if the Patriots, excuse me, if the Texans want to have some success. He's going to have to do it this time around. He's got to step up his play. And the other players around him, Connor Barwin, Antonio Smith, these guys also have to step up their play. If the Texans want to have success. Guys are going to have to step up their play on the defensive side of the ball. They're going to have to get big-time efforts out of a lot of people, a lot of people, out of a lot of people, if they want to have success in this game. They're going to need a big-time effort from a lot of people. Schaub has to play better. Matt Schaub has to play better than he did the first time around when these two teams played. Matt Schaub has to play better. That, that's one thing that has to happen. He has to play better. 
He has to play better. That's a game where he's going to have to be at his best. If the Texans want to win. If the Texans want to win. They, he has to be at his best. He has to be. He has to be. Arian Foster has to be at his best. Arian Foster has to be at be at his best. So a lot of guys have to be at their best if the Houston Texans want to move on and pull off the upset. A lot of guys have to be big time. Can they? Will they? Will they? This is a struggling football team. This is a team that limped into the playoffs. Limped in. But again, even in limping in, they won last week against the Cincinnati Bengals for the second year in a row. Maybe they just have the Bengals number. But this is not the Cincinnati Bengals. This is not Andy Dalton. This is Tom Terrific. This is Tom Brady. This is Tom Brady. Tom stinking Brady. Tom terrific. Tom terrific. And in that game, I mean, the Patriots were up 28 to nothing at one point in that game. 28 to nothing. The Patriots were up in that game. 28 to nothing at one point. 28 to nothing. And from there, from there, the Texans were, were going uphill the rest of the way, the whole way, going uphill. Andre Johnson, he's got to be big time. You're going to need big plays out of him if you want to win this game. All the big players for the Houston Texans are going to have to step up if the Houston Texans plan on advancing. Can they do it? Can they beat this beast, this giant? this big-time New England Patriots team? Can they slow down that offense? They didn't do it the first time around. They didn't do it the first time around. They didn't. Can they do it this time? New England, 419 total yards in that particular game. Tom Brady, 295 yards, four touchdowns in that particular game. Stephen Ridley had 72 yards rushing in that particular game. And Rob Gronkowski is back. Hernandez and Gronkowski back together, 169 combined receptions, 24 touchdowns, and 2011 for these two. So they're back together for the sixth time in 17 games. They are back together. Does that bode well for the Houston Texans? That's going to make it difficult. That's going to make it tough. But I said before, and I'll say it again, do not sleep on the Houston Texans. Do not sleep on the Houston Texans. This team has playmakers on both sides of the ball. uh, This team has some guys who can do big things in big moments at big times. Don't sleep on the Houston Texans. I'll give you my pick on this game later in the show.
But I warn you, don't sleep on the Houston Texans. Second hour of Go For It starts right now. Second hour, go for it. And in this hour, we're expected to be joined by former NBA star Antoine Walker. Get Antoine's take on some of the things that's going on in the National Basketball Association and catch up with Antoine, see what's going on with him right now. Thomas Davis, we're trying to work to get him on the line as well. We were expected to be joined by him in the first hour. Still working to get him on here in the second hour. We're We're trying. We're trying to get him on in the second hour. But hopefully we'll be joined by Thomas Davis as well of the Carolina Panthers. And another game in the NFC, big-time game between between the Seahawks and the Falcons. That's going to be big. That's going to be exciting. That is going to be a very interesting game. Seahawks are hot. Seahawks run the ball. The Falcons have a hard time stopping the run. Seahawks do a lot of great things on both sides of the ball. A lot of great things. So that's a game that's going to be very interesting. And I'm going to get to that game in a moment. But before that, before that, before that, I want to go to the NBA. And I want to look at the Los Angeles Lakers. The Los Angeles Lakers now a team that is struggling, to say the least. 15-21 and 21 right now. They got blown out last night by the Oklahoma City Thunder. A team now without the White Howard, without Powell Gasol, a team that may not even make the playoffs. A team that is 11th in the Western Conference. A team that is five games behind the eighth-seeded team in the Western Conference. This is, this is crazy. This is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. The New England, I mean, not the New England, the Los Angeles Lakers got football in my mind. The Los Angeles Lakers, this team looks slow, looks unathletic, they can't defend anybody. 26 in points allowed in the NBA. Typical of Mike D'Antoni. I mean, this is this is the type of things you get with Mike D'Antoni. I mean, this this is what comes with that type of coach. This is what comes with that type of coach. This is what comes with a Mike D'Antoni coach team. These are the type of things you get. You get a lot of points. Yes, you do. But you get a team that gives up. A lot of points. They give up a lot of points. They give up as many as they give, as they get. Give us and he take it away. I mean, at fourth, the Lakers are points in points per game, but they're also twenty six in points allowed. So he giveth and he taketh away. That's what Mike D'Antoni does. His teams average the Lakers average one hundred and three points a game, but give up one hundred and two points per game. So, what's the use? 
What's the exercise here? This team is struggling. And I never thought I would say this, but there's a good possibility that the Los Angeles Lakers may not even make the playoffs. They may not even make the playoffs. They may not. This is a struggling basketball team. 11th in the Western Conference. I mean, they're behind the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Utah Jazz. They're behind the Timberwolves and Jazz for the eighth seed in the Western Conference. They're behind those teams. They're behind those two teams. And right now, the Lakers don't look good. It just doesn't look like I can't see. I mean, obviously with the talent that they have, Dwight Howard, um, Kobe Bryant, Metta World Peace, Gasol, Steve Nash, list goes on and on the type of talent they have on their roster. You have to say they always have a chance. But, you know, the season is still young, 36 games into this season. But the more and more we continue to go on, the more and more the Lakers look the same. We continue to see the same old Lakers doing the same old things. Not defending. Typical Mike D'Antoni. I mean, this is typical of Mike D'Antoni. These are, these, these are the type of things that Mike D'Antoni's teams do. This is typical. So why are we surprised? I guess we really shouldn't be surprised that the Lakers aren't defending. I guess we shouldn't be surprised that the Lakers are not playing well. I guess we really shouldn't be surprised that a Mike D'Antoni team is playing the way that they're playing. I, I mean, I, I guess there shouldn't be any surprises because they're not defending. They're not defending, and they're losing a lot of games. They're not really doing a great job of integrating their big men. This is a work in progress. But this whole thing could just blow up. This whole thing could blow up. It really could. I mean, could you imagine Lakers in a lottery? So it's a, it's a possibility. And I believe a lottery pick, I believe their pick is uh, going to the sun in the Steve Nash trade. So the Lakers now, obviously you mortgage the future to get a Dwight Howard, get a Steve Nash. I mean, those are the type of things you have to do to get those type of guys. Those are the type of things you have to do to get those type of guys, to get the Steve Nash's of the world, the Dwight Howard's of the world. These are the things that you have to do. These are the things that you have to do. But they made the deal with the Suns, and the Suns get four, got four picks out of that trade with Steve Nash. One in 2013, first rounder in 2013, 2015, and then, and then second rounders in 2013 and 2014. 
So the Lakers now, their picks are going elsewhere. So this whole thing, what if Dwight Howard doesn't resign with the Lakers? What if Dwight Howard decides that he doesn't want to resign with the Lakers? This whole thing now could all blow up in the face of the Lakers. And Steve Nash, at this stage of his career, hasn't really gotten any better. You know, how many years, how many good years does he have left? 38 years old. Father time beats everyone. Can't beat father time. You cannot beat Father Time. It's hard to beat Father Time. He wins all the time. He wins all the time. Father Time wins more often than not. Wins all the time, actually. He's undefeated, Father Time. And Father Time make it the best of Steve Nash and has and is getting the best of Steve Nash. I, I mean, Steve Nash is not, he's still a big-time point guard, but, I mean, just right now as a whole, he's not playing big-time basketball. No one other than Kobe Bryant is playing big-time basketball in the Lakers. Kobe is the scoring leader right now, chucking it up, scoring a lot of points. Scoring a lot of points and chucking it up for the Lakers. But the Lakers as a whole are struggling. They are struggling. They are struggling. And I never thought in my wildest dream, never thought in my wildest dream that the Lakers would be the 11th seeded team at this point of the season, that the Lakers will be eight games behind the eighth seed in the Western Conference, that the Lakers would be 15-21, and 21. that the Lakers, you never thought there would be the possibility that the Lakers, I mean, there's a possibility that the Lakers may not make the playoffs. The Lakers may be home when the playoffs start. That is amazing. That is amazing. And a lot of people around the league are happy. A lot of people are happy that the Lakers are struggling. A lot of people are enjoying that the Lakers are not playing big-time football. A lot of people are enjoying the Lakers. Maybe not making the playoffs. And that would be a big-time fail for this Lakers organization. Yes. One more time. I mean, if you don't make the playoffs, if you're the Lakers, I think each and every fan needs to knock on the door of Jim Buss and ask him one question. Why the heck did you hire Mike D'Antoni over Phil Jackson? Over the great Phil 
Jackson. Why? Oh, why? Oh, why? Did you hire Mike D'Antoni over Phil Jackson, the great Phil Jackson? That's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable to think at this point that the Lakers, when the playoffs start, could be sitting at home. They could be sitting at home when the playoffs start. That's an amazing situation. That's an amazing situation. It could happen. It could happen. There's a good possibility that it does happen. Now, this is the type of team, obviously, with the talent that they have, they can reel off a bunch of wins. They can reel off a bunch of wins. Not saying they will, but the talent that they have, they can. The talent that's on this roster, they can reel off a bunch of different wins. A bunch of wins at one time. They they could reel off 10 straight. They could do that. They could do it. But if you're, the hole that you're digging is becoming deeper and deeper. This is the Western Conference now. This is the Western Conference. It's not the Eastern Conference. It's a Western Conference. And the Western Conference is tough. It's rough. It's rough. Minnesota, they may drop back a little bit with the loss of Kevin Love. They're the 10th seed. Utah, they're probably going to be holds that they're 19 and 19. They'll probably be a little more good, maybe a few more games over 500 when it's all said and done. Portland now. Portland's four games over 500. It's not, I mean, the Lakers theoretically could catch the Blazers at the eighth seed, in the eighth seed right now. They could catch the Blazers. Rockets, the seventh seed, 21 and 16. Denver, sixth seed, 22 and 16. And Golden State at the five spot now, 23 and 12. So they could catch Portland. They could surpass the Blazers in the eighth spot. They could. They could, uh, they could get past the Blazers in the eighth spot. That's a possibility. But you look at it, man, the way this team is playing. And they were blown out. And, and before this game, before the blowout last night against Oklahoma City, the Lakers were fairly competitive in a lot of their games. Fairly competitive the last few games. Gave San Antonio all they could handle. And I, and I can't believe we're saying this about this team, but they gave San Antonio all they could handle, all they could handle a few days ago. Gave them all they could handle. And could have st- almost stole the game at the end. Om- almost stole that game at the end. Almost. Almost. But this five-game losing streak, I mean, they have a, they've, they've lost to some good teams. The Clippers, obviously. The, the Nuggets are playing much better. The Rockets are playing better. San Antonio, obviously, one of the top teams in the West. And, of course, Oklahoma City last night. 
one of the top teams in the West. And the Clippers, of course, who they lost to during this five-game losing streak, six-game losing streak, excuse me, are one of the top teams in the West. So they've lost some top teams in the Western Conference. The question becomes now, the Lakers, after last night, they, their, their schedule, they have Cleveland at home, Milwaukee at home, and then they host the Heat on Thursday night. But Cleveland and Milwaukee at home are, are two winnable games, are two winnable games. And you have Toronto. you got to go to Toronto, go to Chicago, and go to Memphis, a little three-game roadie at Toronto, at Chicago, at Memphis. That's going to be a difficult road test. I mean, Chicago and Memphis are teams that are playing fairly decent basketball. That's going to be tough for the Lakers. It's going to be tough, especially without Howard and Gasol, especially without those two guys. It's going to be tough, tough sledding for the Lakers over these next couple weeks. It can't, it's got to get better for the Lakers. I mean, you can't continue to lose. Because if you continue to lose, you're going to fall deeper and deeper. Deeper and deeper behind. And you don't want that. You start falling deeper and deeper behind, you start running into issues in terms of possibly making the playoffs. You start running into that possibility of not making the playoffs. And who, again, would have ever thought that would be the case? Who would have ever thought that would be the case? That the Lakers are fighting just to get the eighth spot. Could happen. But this is the team. If that's the case, Lakers somehow get in eighth spot. Not somehow, because this is a very talented team on paper. But if they do get in the eighth spot, that's a team that you don't want to see in the playoffs. A, because of Kobe. B, because of Dwight Howard. C, because of Pal Gasol. D, because of Steve Nash because of the, what they have and what they offer and what they bring to the table. That's not a game that or a team that you will want to play, the Lakers. And we look at that trade, the Bynum trade, that ultimately netted the Lakers, Dwight Howard, and netted the Sixers, Andrew Bynum. No one's really benefited from this, this trade. I mean... Bynum can't get on the court because of health reasons. He can't get on the court. He can't get on the court. Having a hard time getting on the court, Andrew Bynum, because of health reasons. Dwight Howard hasn't been stellar. And both of these teams have struggled. The only team that really has benefited from this trade is the Denver Nuggets with the addition of Andre Iguodala. I mean, in that trade, it was a four-team trade. Let's revisit it. Let's look at it again. Sixers got Andrew Bynum. Lakers got Dwight Howard, Earl Clark, Chris Duhon. Denver Nuggets got Andre Iguodala in the Orlando Magic, got Mo Harkless, Nikolai Vujicic, Aaron Howell, I can't even talk, Aaron Aflalo, Al Harrington, and a few others. And a few others. 
Who's gotten the best deal? Who's gotten the best out of that deal? Probably the Denver Nuggets. Team is playing some decent basketball right now. They probably got the best of that particular trade. They probably got the best of that trade. And that's crazy to think. Crazy to think that any trade where you have a Dwight Howard and an Andrew Bynum in, that those two teams that got Bynum and Howard are not benefiting from that trade. That's crazy. And I'm not saying the Lakers are not benefiting from the trade. The Sixers definitely are not benefiting from that trade at this point because Andrew Bynum has to step on the court. Because Dwight Howard is still putting up decent numbers. Bynum can't get on the court. He can't. Having a hard time getting on the court because of his knees. He could be back, Andrew Bynum. Could be back after the All-Star break. He could be back after the All-Star break. If you're a Sixers fan, that's what you're hoping for. That's what you're praying for. That's what you're praying for, that Bynum comes back after the All-Star break. That's the hope. That is the hope. It hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet, and hopefully he doesn't have any setbacks. He is on the treadmill now. Got on the treadmill, and that, that's and big. That's a step. Hopefully he stops playing bowling, which would be good. That would be a good thing. Leave the bowling alone. Stop bowling. Leave that all alone, Bynum. Leave it alone. But again, at this point, there's still no timetable for his return. We've talked about Andrew Bynum's Afro more than we talked about what he's done on the court. And that's something that we thought would never be the case. We talked about his Afro more than we talked about his play on the court. That's crazy. That's crazy. And Dwight Howard again. You know the the back injury is still in play. I think he doesn't seem to be as explosive as he was in years past. Does seem a little limited, but his numbers are still decent. Number seventeen points, twelve rebounds a game, two blocks per game, two and a half blocks. So. His numbers are still big-time numbers, but Dwight Howard is struggling. I mean, the Lakers are struggling, I should say. Dwight Howard is struggling from the free throw line, but the Lakers as a team are struggling. Andrew Bynum can't get on the court, so the Sixers are struggling. And the Denver Nuggets, one of the teams in that trade, Andre Iguodala, is starting to play better. The Nuggets as a team are starting to play better. And the Nuggets right now are a team that, if you look at them, probably made or probably had the most success and probably did the best in this trade. They probably did the best in this trade because now they have Andre Iguodala to go along with what they've 
been doing and what they've done throughout the course of this season. They're playing better than Nuggets are. They got off to a slow start, got off to a slow start, but now they're playing much better. They're playing better as a team. So if we're talking about this trade today, if we're talking about this trade today, I'd have to say that the team that has made out the best in this particular trade are the Denver Nuggets. They made out the best at this point. At this point. Lakers could turn it on and play some big-time basketball down the stretch. Andrew Bynum couldn't come back, and the Sixers could start playing some big-time basketball down the stretch. But it's a good possibility that it may not happen. The Denver Nuggets have won five of their last six games. And they're playing some much better basketball right now. Iguodala continues to do it all. Has always done it all throughout the course of his career. Always done it all. 13 points a game, four assists, five rebounds. Typical Andre Iguodala numbers. Typical do-it-all type of numbers for Andre Iguodala. He's doing it big time for the Denver Nuggets and the Denver Nuggets as a whole and as a team are playing much better. And the Denver Nuggets as a team now are the team that got the best of the Andrew Bynum trade. Crazy. Crazy, 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 crazy. But I know some kids who are happy about it. Okay, kids. Okay, kids. I want to move on now. Interesting, and I talked a little bit about this last week, but Lance Armstrong, the great Lance Armstrong, so we thought, the man who won seven Tour de France, but that's gone. That's taken away from him. He's going to tell Oprah, Oprah Winfrey, that he doped, that he took performance-enhancing drugs, that he's a doper, he's going to confess to Oprah. He's going to confess to Oprah that he's been doping throughout his career. He's ready to confess. He's ready to tell the world that, you know what, I am a cheat. I am a cheat, and he is a cheat. He is a cheat. He's going to admit to the world that he's a cheat. He's going to admit to the world that he is a fraud. He's going to admit to all of us what we've known pretty much the past couple of years. He's going to admit to all of us that he's a cheat. He is a cheat. And, again, it's not a surprise. Are you surprised? Are you surprised? No, I'm not surprised. No one's surprised. No one's surprised. But when I think of Lance Armstrong now, I just think, and this sound comes to my head. Fail. Absolute fail out of Lance Armstrong. I mean, you're a fraud, man. You are a fraud. But I said this last week, and I'll say it again. He raised a lot of money for cancer. 
And I guess I'll live with the trade-off. I'll live with the trade-off. You get rid of cancer. That's a good thing. I'll live with the trade-off. I'll live with the trade-off. You remember last August he said, you know what? I'm not going to fight the charges. You you had the U.S. Anti-Doping Agency coming after him, and he said, you know what? I'm not going to fight the charges. Almost like, you know what? I know what happened. I didn't do anything. Whatever happens, happens. Please, man. Come on. Please, man. Come on. You knew at the time that, and it was a smart move, I thought, at the time to say that, but you knew at the time that he was telling, not telling the truth, that he was a lie, that it was a lie. And that Lance Armstrong, his whole career is a lie. His whole career is a lie. You can even argue that, you know, coming back from cancer and everything and all that, that was great and all that, but part of it was a lie because he used performance-enhancing drugs to come on back. So part of that was a lie. But again, Lance Armstrong didn't raise a lot of money for cancer. He raised a lot of money for cancer. And I can't really knock that because that's a good thing. That's a good thing to raise the type of dollars that he raised for cancer. That is a good thing. That is a good thing. He helped a lot of people fight cancer. His money helped a lot of people. The money that he raised helped a lot of people to fight cancer. It really did. And regardless of what you think of him, Regardless or not, you you believe he's a cheat, and he is a cheat, and you believe he's a fraud, and he is a fraud. Regardless or not, if you believe that, he's raised a lot of money. He's raised a lot of money. And he's been an inspiration to a lot of people. He's been an inspiration to a lot of people, the amount of money he's raised. And his story has inspired many. It's a great story from the standpoint of of beating cancer. That's a great story. I mean, they've they've raised over $14 million. Over $14 million. That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. A lot of money. And there are reports out that some donors want their money back. They want their money back. They want their money back. And you can't really argue with them for that. I mean, at the same time, you know, they've they've supported an important cause. They've supported an important cause. So I don't know why they would want their money back. I mean, I can understand why, but I I don't think it doesn't make sense to me to want their money back. I mean, well, all in all, hopefully it's going to an important place. Hopefully the the foundation is, is distributing the money. And, and helping those who are in need, those who are who are struggling and dealing with the dreaded disease they call cancer. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. But who knows? I mean, we 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 know we're dealing with with a liar. We know we're dealing with a, a fraud on some level. 
We are dealing with a fraud in Lance Armstrong. We're dealing with a fraud here. We're dealing with a fraud. And the thing about it is, most of the money that he raised was because of the fraudulent things that he was doing. Performance-enhancing drugs. He is a cheat. He is a cheat. He's a cheat. He's no different than anyone else in cycling, which is a dirty sport in terms of performance-enhancing drugs. He's no different than anyone else. It's just not. He's no different than anyone else. He's no different than anyone else, Lance Armstrong. He's really not. He's no different than anyone else. No different than anyone else in cycling. He is a cheat. He is what they call a cheat. He is what they call a fraud. Fraud, fraud, fraud. That's what he is. Lance Armstrong. He's a fraud. There's no doubt about it. He's a fraud. He's a fake. He's a phony. I have to call it the way I see it. And as I always say, seeing is believing. Are you really surprised? I mean, it's not really surprising, especially if you look at cycling as a whole and how dirty the sport is. It's not surprising. It's not surprising at all. Lance Armstrong's worth a lot of money, made a lot of money off of cycling and endorsements and everything. And he made all that money off essentially being a fraud. We'll see how honest he is to Oprah. We'll see how honest he is. And we'd love to have Lance Armstrong on this show. Why not? So I could tell him what he is. And he already knows what he is. He already knows that he is a fraud. He already knows it. It is what it is, pretty much. It is what it is. Let's go back to the NFL now. and We are preparing for some big-time football today and tomorrow. Like I said, the first two weeks of the playoffs are the best time in terms of these playoffs. The double dips on Saturday and Sunday – it's great, big time. It's enjoyable football. You have football now because it's about to go away. It's about to go away for a few more months. But these next couple of weeks, last week and, and this week, and even the weeks coming after that in terms of the championship round, and it's ultimately the Super Bowl and the Pro Bowl and all that. Who watched the Pro Bowl? I shouldn't even add the Pro Bowl into that. But it's exciting times, fun times, fun times. It's almost time. It's around that time. It's ready. I'm ready to give some of my picks. But but before I get to that, i got to focus and look at that Falcon-Seahawks game. That is going to be maybe, well, I said the Packers and uh, 49ers are probably going to be the game of the week. But this game might not be too far behind it. The Falcons and the Seahawks. This is going to be a big time football game and a lot of people who ha- who 
the most pressure on any player in the play, in these playoffs is on Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan has a lot of pressure on his back right now. 0-3 in the playoffs. 0-3, and look at his numbers in his playoffs, in the three games that he's played in the playoffs. 2008, his first year in the playoffs against the Arizona Cardinals, 26 for 40, 199 yards, two interceptions in that game. That's not that good. Then his team has home field advantage in 2010 against the Green Bay Packers. The Packers would ultimately win that particular game and ultimately win the Super Bowl. Matt Ryan was not good. 20 for 29, only 186 yards, two interceptions in that game. He was bad in that contest. He was bad in that particular game. He was. He was awful. He was awful. And he had a big interception to Tremont Williams late in that first half when his team was down seven. Ultimately, they would be down two touchdowns after that, and the Packers would control the game from there and ultimately win that game. And then last year, against the ultimate, against ultimately the Super Bowl champions, the New York Giants, Matty Ice, Matt Ryan, was awful again. 24 for 41, 199 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. And, oh, by the way, his team did not score an offensive touchdown in that particular game. So, Matt Ryan... The pressure is on you. The pressure is on you now to see if you can win this game and ultimately get your team where they need to be. They need to be in the Super Bowl. This is the team that we've been talking about over the years, the Falcons, the Falcons, the Falcons. And this is the team and talking about him, this team has struggled. This team has struggled. This team has struggled in these playoffs. Matt Ryan has struggled in the playoffs. Hasn't been good. Has not been good. Actually, he hasn't been over 200 yards in his three playoff performances, his three playoff appearances. Matt Ryan hasn't thrown for over 200 yards in any of his playoff appearances. Take that. Think about that. It's going to have to be much different if the Falcons are going to move past the Seahawks and ultimately get to the Super Bowl. It's going to have to be much different. In Seattle, they have a big-time defense. Sherman, Browner on the outside. Can they contend with Julio Jones or Wally, Roddy White? Can't even talk. Can't even say Roddy White's name. Can they contend with Julio Jones or Roddy White? Can they? Can they? That's going to be big. But what's going to be big for the Seahawks is the loss of Chris Clements. Can that be replaced? Will that be replaced? That's going to be big. Can they replace what they lost in Chris Clemens, their sack leader, 11 and a half big sacks, who fell victim to the FedEx field turf? Can 
And will that be different? Now that he's not on the field for the Seattle's defense and getting pressure on Matt Ryan, Matty Ice. That's going to be big. But also, can this Falcons defense, a defense that's 22nd against the run, can they step up? Can they step up now and stop Beast Mode and Marshawn Lynch and Russell Wilson? Third best rushing team in football, the Seattle Seahawks. Can they, meaning this Falcon defense, can they step it up? Can they step it up? It's going to be big. It's going to be interesting. And a lot of people are picking the Seattle Seahawks. This is everybody's team now. This is everybody's favorite team now. The thing about the Seahawks, with one of the reasons they are everybody's team is, A, they run the ball very well, third in that category, and, B, they stop the run very well, tenth in that category. So they do the important things, stopping the run, and they run the football. They also do a good job against the pass. They're six against the pass. So they do a good job in that area. Everything that this team, everything that the Falcons do good, the Seahawks do good in terms of their defense. Falcons are very good throwing the football down the field. Very good. Matty Ice, Roddy White, Julio Jones, Tony Gonzalez inside. They're very good. But they don't run the ball that well. And they don't stop the run too well. And they're 23rd in passing yards, so you have opportunities there as well. So you think all things, all these things point to the Atlanta Falcons losing to the Seahawks. Marshawn Lynch, a beast. Russell Wilson playing well. Seattle Seahawks defense, big time. All these things point to the Seattle Seahawks. It's time for the pick. Bring it to I disagree. I'm going with the Atlanta Falcons. I'm going with the Atlanta Falcons. My mom always told me this. When in doubt, always go home. And so with that being said, I'm going with the home team. I'm going with the Atlanta Falcons. I think Matt Ryan finally breaks through. I think he plays better football in the playoffs than he had in years past. I think this team is going to go out and jump out on the Seahawks early. I think with that, Russell Wilson is going to be forced to beat him. And we'll see if the Seahawks can do it. RG3 and the Redskins jumped out early on the Seahawks team. Jumped out early on this team. And if RG3 didn't go down with his injury, who knows what could have happened in that particular game. So anyway, I like the Atlanta Falcons. I think they're going to move the ball. I think they're going to get up and down the field on them. I think they're going to jump out early. And I think they're, because of that, that's going to negate beast mode. And that's going to force Russell Wilson to beat him. Can he do it? Will he do it? I don't think so. Give me the Falcons in this particular game. Falcons win this game 28 
to 14, and the Atlanta Falcons move on to the conference championship round. That's the way I see that one. Let me go back to the Broncos and Houston uh, Broncos and uh, Baltimore Ravens, which is going to be a big time game. But it's going to be cold in Denver. It's going to be pretty cold in Denver. And Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning is 0-3 in the playoffs when the temperature dips or goes below 40 degrees. 0-3 in the playoffs when the temperature goes below 40 degrees. It's going to be pretty cold in Denver. It's going to be very, very cold in Denver. Also, Peyton Manning, you would think Peyton Manning, as great as he is, would have a big-time playoff record. He doesn't. Peyton Manning, in the 19 games he started in the playoffs, is 9-10. The last two times Peyton Manning was in the playoffs, last two games, the Super Bowl against the, uh, the Saints, when he was with the Colts, he lost. And then in 2011, when he was with the Colts, he lost to the Jets. And that was a home game in the Dome. Peyton Manning doesn't have the same velocity on his fastball that he once had many years ago. He's not. Though he's had a great year, he doesn't have the same velocity on his fastball. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't have the same velocity on his fastball. Granted, Peyton Manning has beat the Ravens a lot over the years. He has. He's beaten the Ravens a lot over the years. But again, again, that was that Peyton Manning. This was this Peyton Manning, different player. A little bit older. Still big time, though. Still big time. That's something you can't take away. He's still big time. Has been big time. Has been big time throughout the course of his illustrious career. Big time. Joe Flacco, 5-4 and four in the playoffs. Joe Flacco looking to get paid at the end of the season. Ray Lewis trying to come on back, trying to get back to the Super Bowl. One last time, his final hurrah. Doesn't matter. Let's get the pick. Bring in the drums. <laughs> It doesn't matter. It won't matter that Ray Lewis, this is Ray Lewis's final hurrah. The Denver Broncos are a hot football team. The Denver Broncos have won 11 games in a row. Peyton Manning, 20, 37 big touchdowns, 11 interceptions. This team has not lost in a very, very, very long time. It's been a long time since the Broncos have lost. And I don't see it being any different, I don't see it being any different this time around. I don't see it being any different this time around. It's not going to change. The Broncos are going to continue to be the team they've been over the past few weeks. And they will win this game. And they will move on to the conference final. And they will win 31-14. to Joe Flacco, you're not an elite quarterback. You won't 
prove it this time around. You're not elite. You're not that dude. You're not that guy. And it's going to show. It's going to show against the Denver Broncos this week. You're not moving on. You, my friend, are going home. So there you have it. First two picks. I have the Broncos beating the Broncos beating the Ravens and moving on to the conference championship game. And I also have I also have the Atlanta Falcons beating the Seahawks and moving on to the conference championship round. I was four zero last week, by the way. I was four zero last week, by the way, four zero. So I think that shall continue. That will, and I think it will continue. I think it will continue. I think it will continue. But we shall see about that one. Also, the big game, big game tonight. An exciting game. A game that many are looking forward to. The Packers and the San Francisco 49ers. Another rematch game where the Packers lost to the 49ers earlier in the season. 49ers beat the Packers 30-22. to First week of the season. In that game, Alex Smith was the starting quarterback. Colin Kaepernick was on the bench. Now, Colin Kaepernick is the starter. This is going to be a big-time game. Both of these teams playing fairly decent football. Aaron Rodgers was big-time last week against the Minnesota Vikings. The defense played well against the Minnesota Vikings. 49ers were on the bye week. They're waiting. Also long. This is a team that many believe should have got to the Super Bowl last year. This is a team that should have beat the Giants last year. This is a team that had the Giants on the ropes last year. Had the Giants on the ropes, should have beat the Giants, but they let them off the ropes, and they ultimately lost that game in the NFC title game. They've been waiting for this moment this whole season. They've been waiting for this moment ever since they – uh, lost the game to the New York Times. Ever since Lawrence Tynes hit that field goal, they've been waiting for this moment to get back to the playoffs. They're back in the playoffs now. They're hosting the Green Bay Packers. The pressure is on Colin Kaepernick and Jim Harbaugh because of what Alex Smith did. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And the Packers, many believe, they're starting to get their run game back. Many believe the Packers, a team, a team now, they, many believe they look like the team that got to the Super Bowl a couple years ago. Are they that team? Will they beat the 49ers? Defense is playing better. Offense looked pretty sharp. Not good, but not great against the Minnesota Vikings. But we shall see. Bringing the drums. Here's my pick. <laughs> I like the 49ers, and I got to go back to what my mama always told me. When in doubt, when in doubt, always go home. And I'm going with the home team. And the home team, the San Francisco 49ers, Colin Kaepernick, this is a moment that the 49ers have been waiting for for a long time, moment to get back on get back on this playoff stage and get to the Super Bowl. I talked to Chris Culliver. I talked to Terrell Brown. I talked to Larry Grant. 
each and every time I've talked to these 49ers players, they seem confident, and they're starting to make me believers. I had the Falcons going to the Super Bowl, and I'm sticking with that. But this team is going to be tough to beat, and they're going to be tough to beat tonight. And the reality is, who was the quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings when the Vikings, when the uh, Packers had so much success last week against Adrian Peterson? It was Joe Webb. Not Colin Kaepernick, Joe Webb, a guy who had not even thrown a pass this season. So give me the 49ers, and a close one, 27-24. to 24. 49ers pull it out and move on to the conference championship game against the Atlanta Falcons. And last, but not least, the Houston Texans, New England Patriots, this is a game. It's going to be big time, obviously, but the Patriots have their tight ends back. That helps. Gronkowski, Hernandez. It helps to have your big boys back. The Patriots and Tom Brady blew out the Texans, beat them down, beat them up. Game wasn't even close. It was up 21 to nothing at one point, 28 to nothing at one point in that game. We're dominant. Tom Brady is Tom Brady, and we all know what Tom Brady is all about. He's a winner of the highest level. He's big time. The Patriots have been playing some fairly decent football. The Patriots have Tom Brady. The Patriots have Tom Brady, and it doesn't get any bigger than that. Best quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks in football. Tom Brady has been a beast in the playoffs over the years. 16-6 and in the playoffs. He's been an absolute beast, an absolute monster. He's been big time in the playoffs. He was big time against the Texans with four big touchdowns the last time these two teams played. Matt Schaub struggled, wasn't great in that game. Matchup wasn't that great, I don't think, against the Bengals as well. The key is, again, Arian Foster. Arian Foster is going to have to be able to run the ball. Arian Foster is going to have to be able to run the ball the way he did against the Bengals. He's going to have to put up big-time yardage the way he did against the Bengals. That's what he's going to have to do if they want to have success against the New England Patriots meaning the Houston Texans. I have been looking at this game, and I've said don't sleep on the Houston Texans. This team was 11-1 at one point. This team was 11-1 at one point. They were 11-1. 11-1. 11 11-1. This team was 11-1 and one at one point. So this team was big time. And still, it's fairly big time. Still fairly big time. But the Patriots, what? Guess what? Guess what? The Patriots are big time in the playoffs. Tom Brady is big time in the playoffs. Tom Brady is Tom Brady. The tight ends are back. I just have to make this pick, and I'm going to make this pick now. I'm bringing the drum. 
I'm going because I have no doubt here, and if I had some doubt, I was going with the home team. But there is no doubt, and I'm still going with the home team. I'm going with the New England Patriots. They're just a better football team. I don't think I don't trust Matt Schaub. I don't like the way he's played over the past few months. I don't like the way the Houston Texans have played over the past few months. It's going to be a tough game. It's not going to be an easy game. But I like the Patriots to win this one, 31 to 17. Tom Brady plays well again. Aaron Foster has some success, but not not enough success. Matt Schaub has some success, but not enough success. And ultimately, the Patriots move on to the conference round to face Peyton Manning and the Denver Broncos. It's a beautiful thing, right? Manning and Brady at it again. These two will tangle again in the conference championship game. So, recap my picks. Falcons, 49ers in the NFC, and in the AFC, Patriots, and Broncos, these four teams will move on this week in the divisional round. We were expected to be joined by Antoine Walker. We tried to reach out to him uh, to get him on the air. Hopefully we can get him on at a later date. Also, Thomas Davis as well. We were expected to be joined by him as well, but uh, he's unable to get on at this time, and hopefully we can get Thomas Davis on in a, on a future date, in a future date. But I do – want to thank, again, Larry Grant, who joined us last week on Thursday, and we played his interview again today. Follow him on Twitter, at LarryGrant54, and support his foundation, a abetterhandfoundation.org, www.a-b-e-t-t-e-r-h-a-n-d, abetterhandfoundation.org. Support some of the great things Larry Grant has going on in the community, and good luck to Larry tonight in the 49ers as they play the Green Bay Packers. You can listen to this show and other great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pecan where you can listen to this show and other great, great shows. Make sure, make sure you check us out on YouTube. Paul Gant is the YouTube name. Make sure you check us out there. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. At Go For It Gant. Make sure you listen to this show and other great, great shows at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant, where you can listen to this great show and other past great shows. It should be very interesting what's going to happen over the next two days in the National Football League. This is why you play these games. We can talk all we want to talk. We can predict all we want to predict, and we can say all we want to say. But the bottom line is this. We'll see what happens on the field. We'll see what happens between these two teams, these four teams right now that are about to play, these eight teams, I should say, that are about to play over the next two days. Should be interesting. And, again, you can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. That's blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. And also, make sure you follow us on Twitter at go for it Again, For everybody here, go for it. We hope that you have a great week, and we hope you'll join us one more again next week. For everybody here, go for it. See you later. Take care. Bye.